Hello and welcome to 20 in 20, a new podcast from the New Experimental Hours Podcast Network. My name is Pat and I'm your host. It's Thursday, October 22nd, 10.31 a.m. I want to thank you for joining me. If you haven't been here before, welcome. 20 and 20 is a rapid-fire review show in which I review 20 different things in 20 minutes. I'm going to literally take out a stopwatch and review each thing for just one minute and move on to the next. I do everything from music to movies, books, clothing, restaurants, you name it. Before we start today's episode, I want to give a special shout-out and thank you to my friend Brian, who designed the cover art for the podcast. Looks awesome, super pumped on it, so thank you, Brian. Okay, pulling out the stopwatch, and let's go. Start. Today's episode is dedicated to Chet J.R. White. Chet died a couple days ago at the age of 40. He was a member of the San Francisco indie rock band Girls, one of my favorite bands um, from the early 2010s. They put out two exceptional LPs and one EP. Uh, it's just as strong. Everything they recorded sounded awesome, and that was Chet's job in the band. He was the engineer, producer, and he elevated songwriter Christopher Owen's songs so much. His style was ideal for the band. It was lo-fi, but it sounded classic. It was warm-sounding. It gave you a rush when you were listening to it. I think those albums are timeless. I'm going to be listening to them for the rest of my life, frankly. He was also the bassist in the group, and they were an awesome live act. So thank you for sharing your gift with us for as long as you did, Chet. Moving on, we have The Rainbow Fish, a children's book by Marcus Feister. Uh, the Rainbow Fish is a book you've probably read. It came out in 1992, and my son Pete just got really into it. I don't know what prompted him to pull it off the shelf a couple days ago, but we've read it five or six times every day since. And I was just marveling at how good this book is. In the book, a fish with a ton of shiny, glimmering scales learns that hoarding the scales for himself uh, leads to being lonely, and he has no friends. And he starts giving away his scales and pretty quickly realizes that sharing is, is really what it's all about. He makes friends, and uh, is happy with what he has, just one scale. It's, it's a really cool moral. The illustrations are great, and the writing is really sound. So The Rainbow Fish by Marcus Feister. Continuing on with childhood things, we have carving pumpkins. We carved two pumpkins with our neighbors last weekend. It was super fun. I bought one really massive pumpkin and one large pumpkin for Alice and Pete, and... I also bought some interesting tools. One of them you actually put into a power drill and then you run it along the side of the pumpkin like a mixing blade and it pulls all of the fibers and seeds off the side of a pumpkin and makes cleaning out the pumpkin a breeze. But it turns out Alice actually really liked cleaning out the pumpkin. It was kept her busy for about a half an hour. She was very thorough. And then when the time came to actually design the face for this jack-o'-lantern, uh, she did a great job with that, too. So it's been a lot of fun. The squirrels have been picking at them on the porch, i got to admit. But the ritual of putting a little votive candle in the pumpkin every night is a lot of fun. So go carve a pumpkin. Unsolved Mysteries. Speaking of spooky Halloween 
um, pastimes, watching Unsolved Mysteries could be your next uh, Halloween thing to do. It's on Netflix. They did the first season, or the first series, I should say, a couple months ago, and now they're back with series two. I just like the ominous vibe of the show. The energy is really kind of uh, moody and grim, and uh, it's, for the most part, true crime, but there's a an overarching bleakness to the show that's very appealing to me. And it's also kind of intellectual. There are clues that um, often lead nowhere because these crimes are still unsolved. And I think it really stays true to the um, promise of the first show that aired in the, I think, late 80s, early 90s. I was a fan as a kid. I think they've done a great job uh, on the new Unsolved Mysteries. So check that out if you're a fan of the genre. If you're a fan of true crime, I strongly recommend you don't check out a show on Netflix called American Murder, The Family Next Door. It's really a documentary. It's about an hour and a half long, and it concerns a woman and her two kids who are murdered. Uh, doesn't take long to learn that the murderer was, in fact, her husband, as it so often is. In fact, I think in the first 30 seconds, I knew that the husband was the killer, and that's such a cliche, but it really is true. Like There were visual cues that they gave you, the viewer, and you knew. And so the rest of the hour and a half is just the slow trudge to learning exactly what happened. It's just so gruesome and appalling. And there was nothing really titillating about it either. There were no like interesting clues. It was just like prying this confession out of this awful man. So it's, it's the exact opposite of Unsolved Mysteries, although they're kind of similar shows. So American Murder, The Family Next Door, eh, no way. I'm a Leon Door is the name of a streetwear company out of New York. A terrific clothing line. They've been around for probably five or six years. I remember feeling puzzled by I'm a Leon Door when I first saw it at the awesome Seattle shoe store, Likelihood. It was just a, a hoodie with the brand name on the front. It was going for like 180 bucks. Now, at that time, I was a little less accustomed to seeing that sort of price tag on a garment. And over the years, they have continued to produce quality garments like this. And now I realize that this just reflects the quality of the product. It reflects the craftsmanship and it reflects ethical sourcing of materials and manufacturing. The fall-winter line that they've produced is so good. Amazing coats. The cardigans are great. The crewnecks, they did a line with New Balance that was really cool. I'm Alien Door has a store in New York. I really want to check it out. And uh, it might be up your alley. We also have uh, Texas is the Reason today. We're going to be talking about this band. I think they were out of New York, too. Just one of the finest, uh, I'll call them emo, for lack of a better word, indie rock emo punk bands from the 90s. Their LP, Do You Know Who You Are, is always on the turntable, especially around this time of year. Very autumnal music. And I want to give a special shout-out to the song, the Day's Refrain. It's not my favorite song that they did, but that first 30 seconds is just so glorious. It said that it felt good, it felt good to be alive. Just, ah, uh, it gives me a rush thinking about it. There's a bleakness to it and a desperation in the lyrics and delivery, but the music redeems it and you got this driving hard song with these bleak lyrics, a really cool juxtaposition. When you're driving and it's raining 
or it's nighttime, or it's dusk, or it's dawn, if it's snowing, if it's sleeting, if it's sunny, why not? Put your headlights on. You are legally obligated to do it, and it's safe. It helps everyone see you, and it helps you see the road. So often I see people driving around in the rain with their headlights off. And granted, it might be just a small drizzle. It might be noon, and the sun is, you know, or the, the light is good. But put your headlights on. What do you have to lose? I mean, maybe your headlights wear out quicker and you got to replace them. Who cares? You know, put your headlights on. I like it when headlights are always on. You turn off your car, they go off. When you turn it back on, the headlights go back on. I don't see any downside in it. I really don't. When you're going through a tunnel, turn your headlights on. I, I, ran a, I don't have a, a minute's worth of talking points about this because it seems so obvious, but there you go. I got a cookbook by the name of Whole Bowls that I would love to plug right now. Whole Bowls is a vegetarian, gluten-free cookbook. So it really jives with the uh, sort of our culinary habits in the house. But you make these bowls with three or four elements in them that all combine and harmonize in this way that's really cool. Just the other day I made cheddar grits, which I never made before, with kale in them. So delicious, not terrible for you, very little oil, gluten-free. I made a black bean dish with some Cajun seasoning. Again, low oil, just mostly protein and and good vitamins, and these two worked really well together. Yesterday, I made uh, something with black rice, which is an ingredient I don't often think to use, and it's just, it's giving me tools in addition to recipes. When you get a cookbook that can teach you tools in the kitchen, that's where it's at. Speaking of tools, we got uh, heated floors in our master bedroom in our house. It's not something I installed myself, but I'm grateful it's there. It came with the house. Uh, and actually, it was just kind of running low-key throughout the summer. And I never really noticed it too much. And it was probably a waste of energy. But the second the floors got cold, I really noticed it in the bathroom. And it was just such a nice touch. I'm not going to say it's as important to have as, like, heated seats in a car. And it's definitely a first-world concern, you know, like first-world problems. Oh, my heated floors broke. But I got them. I don't. I didn't have to pay anything extra for them. I didn't install them myself, and it's just nice. I like having them around. So, um, if you got them in your house, that's great. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't, maybe worth looking into. If not, no biggie. But heated floors, something I just want to plug today. Uh, we have a group called Library Tapes. I didn't do much research about Library Tapes. I don't know who's in the band. I don't know their names. I honestly don't even really know the names of the albums or the songs. It's a group I put on Spotify. I click play and I just let it run. I'll sometimes let it run for a half hour. Sometimes I'll let it run for an hour or two. It's great concentration music. You could easily let it just run in the background. You can ignore it if you choose to, but if you do go for a close listening, you are rewarded for doing so. It's nice, um, a light touch sort of modern classical music, not unlike Bing and Ruth, not unlike uh, Max Richter. It's terrific autumn, uh, autumnal weather. I keep saying autumnal. It's great autumn weather. It's great for the winter. And um, I would love to see library tapes if they happen to come through town once COVID is over. We'll see. Next up, I'm, I'm talking about email last week 
and I'm going to talk about it today again. Unsubscribing, you get junk mail in your inbox. Everyone does. Target, uh, I don't know, there's a million places that send me junk mail. And sometimes I'll go on a spree where I'll unsubscribe from like 20 different mailing lists at once. And it's so pleasant when you click unsubscribe at the bottom of an email and it just unsubscribes you. The worst is when it makes you jump through a bunch of hoops. Are you sure you want to unsubscribe? Can you plug in your email address one more time? No, you think I clicked on the unsubscribe link in the very tiny fine print at the very bottom of your useless email on accident? Of course I'm here on purpose. Just unsubscribe me. God, this like pathetic last attempt to win your business, it's not going to work. Unsubscribe me the first time I click. That's a message for all business owners. <laughs> all right. Speaking of email, business, e-commerce, and that sort of thing, there's this new trend nowadays where everyone is looking for a survey. Everyone's looking for a review. Just the other day, we stayed at a Best Western. Okay. It was a nice hotel. Was it a great hotel? No, I, I didn't expect it to be a great hotel. This isn't the Plaza, New York. This is a Best Western in Asheville, North Carolina. And so, like, the next day when I got a review, like, a review request, would you like to review your stay? No, I don't want to review my stay. I stayed there. It was perfectly satisfactory. And then we left. I don't want to think about it ever again. They reviewed or they emailed me like two or three days after that. We just want to remind you that, you know, it'd be really nice if you review uh, the Best Western. No, I'm not gonna. This goes for all the big companies. Now, if you're a small company like a bakery or you're a restaurant and you need the help, I'm going to be happy to give you a review, but not if you're huge. And that leads me to the next point, which is bakeries. I'm nervous that bakeries are not going to survive COVID-19. I go into bakeries, I would say fairly regularly, <laughs> and I'm always the only one in there, which is true even in normal times. But now it just there's this heavy feeling when you walk into an empty bakery, like time's ticking. I want to give a special plug then to one of my favorite bakeries in Westtown, which is a neighborhood in Chicago where I live. It's at the corner of Chicago and Damon. It's called Pierre's Bakery. And I used to go there when I lived in the area about 10 years ago. And now that I'm back, guess what? They're still around and I'm still going there. I bought a cake for my daughter's birthday. They did an awesome job. Bought some cookies there the other day. Delicious. It's a nice space. They got good coffee. So Pierre's Bakery at the corner of Chicago and Damon. Check it out. And I just mentioned COVID-19. And I want to give a negative review to the second wave of COVID-19. <laughs> negative review. Uh, thumbs down on COVID-19. Not my jam. Uh, am I surprised? Not at all. People crave human interaction. Knowing the risks, they still want to hang out with other people. And you can't really fault them for it. We have spent half a year, if not more, uh, in quarantine, so to speak, avoiding our loved ones, avoiding our friends, uh, so that we don't get sick. And now the time has come, we've loosened up a little bit, and we've been smacked right back into quarantine for for doing so. It really sucks. And yeah, I'm I am scaling back my social interaction. Um, I don't have an answer. Just more quarantining, more hand washing, more masks. But man, thumbs down on COVID wave two.
The book I want to plug today is a book by an author named Natalie Fee. It's called How to Save the World for Free. I got this book at the start of the year. It's printed on recycled paper. It's got like a cardstock cover, which is really cool. And it's full of interesting tips about how to live a more environmentally friendly life. Now, granted, I do think that loading people up with more responsibility to save the environment, this is Exxon's job, right? This is Amazon's job. Stop creating oil spills. Stop driving your stupid trucks all over the city. You know, scale back. But can't hurt to take on some good habits yourself. So it's talking about reusable water bottles, organic cotton, wearing your clothes 50 times instead of five, just basic stuff that you might forget and then it's good to be reminded of. We also have uh, dog poop bags. Okay, so I have a list of all the things I want to talk about. It just says dog poop bags. I know what I want to say. If you have a dog, you got to pick up the dog's crap, right? Everyone knows that. But here's what I do. When I'm picking up the dog poop, I will look around that area for trash on the ground. And since I live in the city, there's a fair amount of garbage on the ground at all times. I'll pick up a bottle. I'll pick up a rubber band, hair tie, napkin, mailer for someone who wants to sell you their uh, house cleaning services. Uh, I don't think it makes that tangible of a difference in the long run in terms of neighborhood cleanliness or even environmentalism, whatever, but... Uh, it does give me a little peace of mind. I do feel better knowing that this trash is just going to be decomposing in a landfill instead of on my street. And this way, no one runs over a bottle of Corona and smashing it into a million pieces. Then you got broken glass on the ground. So try that out next time you're picking dog shit up. Maxwell's Embrya. Maxwell is a R&B soul singer. He came up in the mid-90s, 1996, put out his first record. Embrya is his second. It came out two years later in 1998. And I don't know why I listened to it for the first time. It's not my style of music typically, but I was blown away by what I heard on Embrya. It is a quiet storm record, meaning it is smoldering, quiet, soft, funky, R&B and soul, neo-soul, delivered in this romantic, passionate way. Uh, the word liquid often gets tossed around when talking about this record. Totally appropriate. The songs blend into one another. The bass playing is really liquid. The singing is very smooth. And uh, if you're a fan of like D'Angelo or Erica Badu or even a guy like Anderson Pack, uh, you got to check out Maxwell's Embryo. This record is so fly and the reissue they did is beautiful. And this week I put out a story about the genre known as shoegaze. Shoegaze was a British genre of music that was popular in the 80s and 90s and that it's Reputation only grew as the internet took off. I learned about it in 2005. I heard the song Allison by Slowdive playing on a friend's MySpace page, and I was just immediately hooked. I could not believe what I was hearing. It was exactly what I wanted to hear at that time, and it remains one of my favorite styles of music. Uh, my Bloody Valentine is probably the biggest shoegaze band. Their record, Loveless, needs no introduction. It's incredible. I want to give a special shout-out to Chapter House, their uh, record, Pearl, I believe it's called, is, is super good. Uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, Ride, Lush, Swerve Driver, and newer bands like Asobi Sexu and Sunny Day in Glasgow. These are all awesome shoegaze bands. It's a style that you will really appreciate, I think, if you love music. 
And for my last point today, my last review, I want to give a, a special remembrance to a man who died last night, James Randi, Canadian. He was 92 years old, so pretty old. And he was famous for being a magician who would debunk other magicians. He would inject reason and he would inject an intellectual vibe into um, into his magic tricks. And he was famous for furthering the cause of uh, atheism, which is why I came into his orbit. He came to the University of Illinois in 2008 and he gave a great talk about atheism and about how dangerous it can be to have faith in something. And, and I, at that time in my life, messages like that were actually pretty important. He um, was a champion of science and a champion for reason. And so even though he's 92, I got to give us a big rest in peace to uh, James Randi, a terrific 20th century and 21st century thinker and intellect. All right, that's it, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to 20 and 20 today. It's the uh, podcast in which I review 20 things in 20 minutes. And, uh, and then I get the hell out of your lives. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.